1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com
2: slash recommend today.
1: Happy Friday, TGIF.
3: Welcome back to the show.
1: Hello, everybody.
3: What are you doing, Shira? Why are you gyrating?
1: <laughs> you know, because I'm getting into it.
3: girl. I don't know. Shira looked like she had the shakes, like her low, her blood sugar was low. I don't know what's happening, but it's Valentine's Day. Go get you some candy. It's going for the cheap.
1: I will. I'm going to get me some sweet chocolate from my man.
3: Can you not be weird for one second? Just (laughs) one second of this entire time we do this show.
1: Uh, You know, today I did post a Valentine's Day uh, Instagram. I must say, I am already starting to celebrate, Ryan. Uh, But the big question was, was it too much? Because I I posted a picture of me in the bath, even though I was totally covered.
3: She was nude. Yeah, but
1: I wasn't nude, I wasn't showing anything. If you're in the bath, you were nude. Yeah, but the water was covering everything. You couldn't see anything.
3: Yeah, I know. I think you're you're going into this realm where one, you're just trying to get more likes on your Instagram photos. And then Thirst two, chaps? yeah. And then two, it's just like, maybe you're feeling liberated. I'm just, sometimes I'm not sure what you're giving. If this is just like, she needs to keep her engaged up. <laughs> what if it's a mix of
1: everything? What if I'm like, you know what? I am just going to let it all out, and I also enjoy it.
3: Well, bring it all in, and let's get this show started. I
1: thought you were going to say bring it on. Okay, well, coming up on the show, uh, a deadly incident is drawing new attention to anti-Asian violence and what we can do to be better allies. Stick around for that conversation at 435 Pacific, 735 Eastern. Plus, how to deal with being lonely on Valentine's Day. We are here for you. Hang out with us here and on Instagram. Uh, but first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. White House Deputy Press Secretary TJ Ducklow has been suspended for a week without pay after he reportedly issued a sexist and profane threat to a journalist seeking to cover his relationship with another reporter. Uh, Press Secretary Jen Psaki responded to this whole situation
2: today. It doesn't meet our standard. It doesn't meet the president's standard. Um, and, it, and it was important that we took um, uh, a step uh, to make that clear. Uh, and
1: that included not just an apology directly from him and apologies directly from us at the highest levels there, uh, but also a step uh, to uh, suspend him uh, for one week without pay. Uh, and that, in our view, was a was a, a, an important step to send the message that we don't find it acceptable. She also told reporters that the president didn't make the decision she did with the approval of his chief of staff. And it's a valid point that one of the reporters or actually a few brought up saying that President Biden had said he has no tolerance for bullying of any sort. He said that at the beginning when he took office and yet giving him just a week. Is that enough? And by the way, if this has happened to you, I'm just saying there's no tolerance. Or if you're that person who does this, never threaten someone. This happened to me recently. And man, I'm just telling you. I could come after that person
3: you you can't just throw in there that you've been threatened recently like that's just a heavy thing to say
1: <laughs> i'm processing
3: <laughs> I mean, now, i'm happy you're safe
4: but
1: yeah. dr uh, anthony fauci appeared on good morning america to continue to spread the word on vaccine updates
3: it's open season no matter who you are you can get a vaccine and when you have enough vaccines to do that then you're going to see a great surge in the number of people who get vaccinated and that's what's going to happen as we go from april to may to june and then hopefully by july we'll be at that point where we have enough vaccine for virtually everyone
1: He's living his best life, spreading that good word on the vaccines. Meanwhile, the CDC announced that it has updated its recommendations for fully vaccinated individuals, saying that people who fall under this category no longer need to self-quarantine after being exposed to someone who has tested positive for the virus. Okay. And that was what's
3: trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Also, I can't stop thinking about that first headline. I mean, that reporter, are that the press secretary, the deputy's press secretary? Mm-hmm. That sounds like a House of Cards episode. It's totally. Really- Really intense, but anyway, let's get to the real news. Justin Timberlake is finally apologizing to Britney and Janet Jackson, but was it only to make himself look good? It's time for your tea report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, according to some close sources, they say this apology was the real deal. If you missed the news, here's what Justin said in a statement I've seen the messages, tags, comments, and concerns, and I want to respond. I understand that I felt Short in these moments and in many others, and benefited from a system that condones misogyny and racism. The industry is flawed. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. It's designed this way. As a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this. So, what do you think is Justin out of the hot seat? I mean, who wrote this response for him? Okay, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, did he go and get, like, the most woke professional to ever write that? Like, it was just, like, crafted too perfectly for me. Yeah, I
1: mean, mean, good on him for copying and pasting and listening to whoever told him to write this. I mean, that's what Uh, you're paying them for. Honestly, I get it. More celebrities need to hire someone to do these things. (laughs) And just copy and paste. Right, just copy (laughs) and paste that. Uh, But, you know, I think we will see with his future actions, right? And I think we're going to hold him to a high standard for good reason. So it it just will depend on his next steps of his life.
3: I won't forgive him until Britney is freed and Janet Jackson uh, gets to perform at the Super Bowl again. And she's no longer I mean, man. that's real. And like, so. what
1: will he do about that? Yeah. I mean, there are some some actions need to be taken around that, too. True. Yeah. That's your T-Report. I got more coming up next hour. Well, coming up, we've got updates on the impeachment trial today. Trump's lawyers spoke defending Trump, of course. Uh, but did they lie under oath? We look at that next. Let's go there
0: with Shira and Ryan. The new Channel Q.
1: Trump's lawyers presented their arguments during the impeachment trial today. His defense took about three of their allotted 16 hours to present their arguments before taking questions from senators. Uh, defense lawyer Michael Van Der Veen calls Trump's impeachment constitutional cancel culture. Here he is.
0: It is constitutional cancel culture. History will, will record this shameful effort as a deliberate attempt by the Democrat party to smear censor and cancel, not just President Trump, but the 75 million Americans who voted for him.
1: And back with us is political commentator, Jackie Coppell. Jackie, what did you think about this statement that it's constitutional cancel culture what's happening right now?
5: They're trying to come up with a witty phrase, first of all, Um, and using some buzzwords, right? Basically, their argument hinges, yes, they're trying to argue that, that he did not incite an insurrection, but at the core of the argument and the core of the, what the GOP is actually arguing and the reason that it is likely they're going to acquit him is not as to whether or not he incited the insurrection, but actually whether it's constitutional to try a man who is no longer president after he's out of office. So the yeah. constitutional using that word is a way to say that the whole proceeding is unconstitutional and a way to cancel Trump.
3: But um, I do think that language is uh, was smart to use in the sense if Republicans, especially what the GOP party represents now, they are the ones who are always calling out the liberal lefts and the cancel culture and all these right. crazy things instead of mm-hmm. owning up to it. So it does feel like, yeah, that was kind of a smart decision if I was a Republican being like, oh, I identify. I'm hearing that constitutionally. You're right. It was a quick little quip. But I, I wonder, are Republicans really kind of, you know, falling for it? Are they really going to end up saying that we don't believe that Trump should have to, you know, have any consequence for these actions?
5: I mean, the short answer is Yes. Um, there is a question as to how many Republicans are going to vote. Right, 17 Republicans would need to vote to um, find him guilty in order for him to be found guilty. Right, you have to have. It's not ju- you have to have two thirds. It's not just mm-hmm. a, a majority. If it was a majority, Democrats have the majority. We know he would he would lose, but that's not the case. The chance of 17 sen- GOP senators shifting is pretty small. Last week there was a sort of a there was a vote. That basically addressed the constitutionality of this case in general. Uh, the vote, I believe, it was fifty-six uh, voted in favors. Uh, so there were, I think, there were, yes, there were six. Therefore, there were, four. There were uh, six Republicans that voted uh, with the Democrats. Are there another eleven? You know, again, unlikely that there are, but there is some. There is some concern, according to uh, a headline I saw, I believe in Politico there's some concern that anywhere between five and 10 are considering conviction. Now, of course, 10 is not 11. You would need 11 more plus those original six. Um, but I think that people are, I do think that some, not all, but some Republicans are really on the fence. I think in in large part, because they understand that what happened was wrong, that Trump did in fact incite violence and an insurrection and I I think some do actually question the constitutionality since he is no longer in office. And I think others are playing a political game and they're saying Trump's followers are passionate. They're not going away anytime soon. And I don't want to, you know, take them off.
1: Yep, that's political commentator, Jackie Coppell again. And you also mentioned, we were talking about this before we started recording, that his defense literally lied. And, And so like, how do you even go up against people that are not, Telling the truth, and we've dealt with this in terms of Trump and the past four years.
5: Yeah, so so just so people listening know, so he his one of his attorneys, this Mark Vanderveen, uh, said that the the former president encouraged his supporters to respect the electoral college count. Now that's a laughable statement because we know that that's not the case. Given that the entire crux of Trump's argument was that the electoral college count was inaccurate um he also apparently
1: said stop the, the first- steal what did stop right. the steal mean
5: right exactly so yeah. we know that that's not true Um, uh, i'm sure there's a, a very small uh you know straw in which they can try and go down but in essence we know that that's not that's not accurate he also said apparently that the first rioter arrested was an antifa leader not true uh, it was a trump backer right uh and it's by the the police etc people have and and people have looked at videos it's understood that Antifa wasn't really there. I mean, it, this was not led led or started or instigated or really in any way, was Antifa part of it? No, that has been, like I said, you've had a lot of people look into this and the result has been, that's not the case. Um, in terms of what you do when you're up against something like that, I think I, the Republicans are basically saying, great, you've just given me reasons to acquit. The Democrats say, you've got to be kidding me. That's a straight up, you know, false statement. Uh, And I'm sure Democrats are going to, you know, point that out inside of the case. Does that change anyone's mind? Who knows?
1: Well, that was political commentator Jackie Coppell. Thanks again and have a good weekend. Same to you. Thanks for having me. Now coming up on the show, a deadly incident is drawing new attention to anti-Asian violence. More on that next and what we can all do to help after this. Let's go there
0: with Shira Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q.
1: In the past few weeks, a slew of violent incidents in the Bay Area, including multiple attacks targeting elderly individuals, have renewed attention on anti-Asian racism during the pandemic. And joining us right now is Manju Kulkarni, who's an executive director at the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council, also behind StopAAPIHate.org. Thanks for being here.
6: Thanks so much for inviting me to join you.
1: So tell us more about the the recent events and why this has spurred some uh, of the urgent response we're seeing.
6: Well, what we've seen um, in the last week to 10 days is, unfortunately, members of our community who are elderly have been targeted. Um, they've been basically just thrown on the ground in public spaces. So one involved uh, an elderly Thai gentleman who was on a walk in his neighborhood and someone jumped him, uh, he fell down um, and his injuries were so severe that he actually died. Um, there were other incidents in Chinatown in Oakland where someone targeted multiple people and just, again, slammed them on the ground um, you know, for no reason. So these are obviously concerning to us, um, and we feel that they're part of a pattern of what we've been seeing at Stop AAPI Hate over the course of the last year. Um, in March of 2020, we set up our online reporting center, and from then we got several hundred incidents, which grew to 2,800 Uh, just through december 2020
3: i mean that number is like just shocking right and i think were we seeing that number as high before like the pandemic like how much did what we're living in and the the effects of donald trump play into this narrative and the this this violence against i mean so many people
6: We've seen from other reporting centers that were set up prior to ours, um, as recent as 2016, that they were just getting about 100 incidents a year um, reported to them from across the country. So you go from 100 in 2016, 2017, all the way through 2019, and then all of a sudden you're at almost 3,000. Um, so it's really concerning. And, you know, we also do a lot of work with other communities. And my understanding is, you know, the Anti-Defamation League has been monitoring anti-Semitic attacks. And, And they've only received in, you know, any given year, 200. So that gives you an idea of really the scope of what's happening right now to Asian Americans uh, versus past years and versus, you know, even kind of other communities.
1: Definitely. Again, we're talking to Manju Kulkarni from the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to say that possibly Trump and that rhetoric was a big part of that. Is this something you think about?
6: Uh, We know that that's the case. Absolutely. Here's what was evident from the beginning. The president was using racist rhetoric, Wuhan virus, China plague, Kung flu, um, and really not only just fomenting hate, but putting people in harm's way. And the reason we know that is from our data a number of incidents we that were reported to us the perpetrator not only used his language the the terms i referenced, but they said trump is going to f with you or mm. trump is going to get you trump is going to push you you know take you out of the country um so they understood very similar to the insurrection what the president was saying and what he wanted people essentially to do. Um, so there is no doubt in our minds. We actually issued a report about that and specifically the racist language um, that was used in the actual incident.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of this has been brought to our attentions by celebrities. Actors Daniel Day Kim and Daniel Wu, uh, they sought to draw this kind of attention to the problem. Right. But is a celebrity attention enough? Is that really going to get people to, you know, have the passion to to do something about this?
6: Well, it's really great that they use their platform in this way to draw attention to what is an important issue. Because you're right, it may not have gotten the attention without it. what I think we want is more than that, right? We need everybody to be concerned and we need to look at comprehensive solutions. So, you know, I understand they were looking to find the perpetrator of the one incident or the multiple incidents. Um, but as we know, in communities of color, policing is not going to be the answer. And uh, part of the way we know that at Stop API Hate is less than 10 percent of the incidents involve a crime. So if we're just looking at policing as the answer, we're going to basically not answer anything, you know, having to deal with 90 percent.
1: Okay. well, Manju Kulkarni, again, is with us from Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council. Uh, Right after this, though, we want to get into how we can stand in solidarity with the Asian community and take action against xenophobia. That's next. Let's go there with Shira
0: and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Back
1: with Manju Kulkarni from the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council. They're also behind
3: StopAAPIHate.org. The thing that really concerns me about when we're calling for allies and solidarity, right, and a lot of the conversation I've seen online take place where people throwing in, well, where's all that support that we were giving for Black Lives Matter and this kind of Uh, oppression Olympics that we just start to see form. I would love to know your take on that and how do we, one, acknowledge and put light on serious things and problems that need to, you know, for our others, you know, communities of color without like kind of dragging another community color.
6: We know that from, you know, that unfortunately there are always these wedges created um, by white supremacy ultimately, right? Even the term model minority myth is about that. It was about pitting African-Americans against Asian-Americans and vice versa. So what we've got to do right now is, as we provide more information about what's happening, we are seeing allies from the Black community. We are seeing allies from the Latinx community, from the LGBTQ community. So I think that once people know and understand the problem, they're going to be with us. And they already are. So what we need to fight, though, is anti blackness. And that's something that our organization does every single day.
1: Yeah. So what actions can people take as allies?
6: Well, there are a number of things. If you see something, say something. Right. So if you see someone being discriminated against, say something to the manager, call it out. Um, Report an incident. You don't actually have to have experienced it to report it on our website, stopaapihate.org. We get incident reports from Latinx community members from white or black to say, hey, I saw this and it's not right. Please donate your time and energy. We all, our organization could use so much help right now. Um, And if you have money to donate, that would be fantastic. But the one big thing is we've got to organize. We've got to advocate because we know um, that's the only way we get permanent solutions is really to be out there and to talk to our local and state and federal leaders about solutions.
3: Is there anything on the legislative side that you would want to see happen?
6: Absolutely. I think on the federal side, we need um, to close some of the loopholes uh, and gaps uh, in terms of hate hate crimes, but also the hate incidents. There um, are some opportunities with the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to make it stronger. There are also opportunities uh, in terms of uh, the No Hate Act to get more data uh, and really more help and support to communities.
1: I want to know, and this is a, a sensitive part of this, with the tensions between Chinese and the US, continuing to increase and I don't see it ending anytime soon. And with talks of a possible genocide in China, even how do we find this balance of supporting those in the community um, and then also fighting against a genocide and an authoritarian government?
6: We need to do both, right? Because, um, you know, China and the Chinese government has been committing you know, hate on its own against the Uyghur community, you know, they are an authoritarian state. So at no point do we need to be apologists for what they do. But that's not the Chinese-American community or the Asian-American community. You know, when things happen to Italian-Americans or Jewish-Americans or or Germans, you know, people don't go and say like, oh, but what about, you know, Angela Merkel? Or, you know, what about the leader of these countries? They don't. So why are we being held responsible as a group for something that leaders from the homeland, which, by the way, some of us haven't been there for hundreds of years.
5: That part. So
6: I don't know how we get to be responsible for what they're doing. I'm not responsible for Trump. Are you? No, I didn't vote <laughs> for him. Go. So if somebody in another country blames me for what he did... What am I going to say? So we can't blame Americans of Asian descent for that. That's just ridiculous.
1: Well, Manju Kulkarni, uh, this has been a pleasure. Again, Manju is uh, is an executive director of the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council. Thanks again. You're always welcome back. Thank you so much. Coming up on the show, Anderson Cooper is opening up about co-parenting and living with his ex. More on that next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. The new Channel Q up on the show online scammers are rushing to exploit people desperate to get the COVID-19 vaccine I mean there's a place in the afterlife for folks like this there's
3: a place in hell for sure
1: Or, or in this life
3: I mean jail that's for sure
1: yeah but do you ever actually answer those calls from those scammers or whenever you see that number pop up or a number you don't know
3: Um, not likely. If I do, it's by accident and me moving fast, thinking like, oh, oh my god, I didn't mean to actually pick up, but I just immediately hang up. Like, I don't even let them say hello. I'm like, click.
1: Well, so this is a thing I've gotten in trouble in the past for not answering numbers, like when my credit Real card collectors. mail calls or like insurance <laughs> yeah. and it's really like worked against me. So now I'm so traumatized by that, that I do answer calls sometimes. And then I actually entertain it for a second. Like, Hey, they're like, Oh, Hey, this is blah, 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 blah. And I, you don't hear it. You know it's so quick when they say it sometimes that I actually say like okay yeah no you obviously don't know me you don't need anything I know th-
3: I'm just hanging up. Bro, that I'm is t- classic Sheeran not being present and almost being scammed. That no, makes so much anything. sense. You
1: know my boyfriend has been on those calls before and like plays porn back to them to bother Ooh,
3: them I as wondered. if like oh sorry you're interrupting
1: me I'm in the middle of something.
3: You know your boyfriend's very flirty. I wonder if it's gay porn.
6: I guess
3: you'll never know. Uh,
1: now, uh, let's get into what's, what's trending uh, this hour. Happy Chinese New Lunar New Year, everyone. Uh, it falls today, and the Chinese New Year is bidding farewell to the year of the rat and saying hello to the year of the ox. What's that was- mean? I will tell you, the ox in Chinese culture is a hardworking zodiac sign. It usually signifies movement. So um, this is according to astrological experts. (laughs) And hopefully uh, it means the world will be less static than last year and get moving again in the second half of the year.
3: Even though technically uh, for regular astrology, it's like Mercury's in retrograde right now.
1: There's too much going on right now, but it is a 15-day Lunar New Year Spring Festival celebration. Uh, So if you have friends who are Chinese, wish them a Happy New Year. If you're working with China, FYA, they might not be working right now because they take the time off, just saying. And finally, a new study from the Conservative American Enterprise Institute Survey Center on American Life. That's a mouthful. Found that only 36 percent of the general public agrees with this statement. The traditional American way of life is disappearing so fast that we may have to use force to save it. 36 percent. That number, though, leapt to 55 percent among Republicans. So you have 55 percent of Republicans who thinks uh, we need to use force to save America. Okay. It's a sign of the undercurrent of violence in certain segments of the country. And in a separate poll, according to Mike.com 40% of Republicans, which is a minority, but a pretty sizable one also agreed that if elected leaders will not protect America, the people must do it themselves. Even if it requires taking violent actions. Okay. Only 17% of Democrats joined them, which I'm actually surprised about. But those are some recent numbers out today on Mike.com. That was what's trending this
3: hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, everybody, prepare yourself for the most if Shira was a celebrity story ever. Um, it's time for your tea report Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Jared Leto is finally discussing the shock of returning to a changed world after being held up for 12 days in a, in the California desert at a silent uh, mediate, uh, meditation, meditation. <laughs> retreat. And I mean, this is like the most interesting experience and
1: and and by the way ryan is telling the story as he's holding a piece of
3: palo santo (laughs) wood (laughs) fyi no here he is talking about the moment that he found out the world was in a global pandemic because he was literally being silent
2: they brought us into like the big meditation hall at a certain like the last day and said hey by the way this has been happening Cause you don't, we didn't have any access to the news. I was the only person that actually went to the teacher there and said, Hey, do you guys think we should go home now? they like, Well, that's your decision if you want to finish it or not.
3: <laughs> so, uh- he basically said when he returned home, his phone was blowing up with messages from family and friends. And I thought this would like if Sheer was not doing the radio station, she would literally be at a silent retreat and wouldn't <laughs> even have known that the world was in the middle of a global pandemic and finding out when she was just blown up when she got her cell phone back with everything. That just seems like such a Sheer story.
1: Uh, it, this is a really entertaining story and hearing Jared Leto tell a story with his like long beard and long hair like super hippy-dippy <laughs> is quite hilarious and then the guy interviewing him is such a dude like yeah. really low voice like hey dude I see you at this <laughs> meditation retreat like what was that
3: like? Like it's so it's, weird. It's so strange. It's really really strange but if y'all want to find out more about that experience head over to com, and head over to Q.com for your 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 chance to win a pair of passes plus a VIP meet and greet with um, Max. He's an amazing artist. His Color Vision Deluxe experience is happening on pay-per-view. February 27th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Go ahead, honey. Get into that competition so y'all can win you something nice. That's a T report. Coming up on the show,
1: online scammers are rushing to exploit people desperate to get the COVID-19 vaccine. What to look out for next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Scammers are taking advantage of folks wanting to get the vaccine. They are finding you in crazy ways, too. Here to tell us all what to look out for and how to deal with it is Rebecca Howwell, who's a tech reporter at Recode. Okay, Rebecca, uh, thanks as always for joining us for these crazy stories.
7: Yeah, happy to be here. So we're seeing a whole variety of... Uh, like freaky and frustrating ways people are trying to take advantage of the vaccine effort. So we're seeing scammers set up fake vaccine registration websites. So instead of going to the actual public health department website to sign up for vaccine, it's a fake website that just exists to take your information and your financial uh, information as well. We're seeing people sell fake vaccine cards. So people are selling those little CDC cards that people are getting with their vaccination and just like offering them online for sale and trying to sell them. So, you know, a whole lot of stuff like that. It's really, really weird.
3: I mean, scams are just becoming more and more. I don't know if good's the right word, but it just feels like it's becoming more difficult for, you know, the authorities to find out who's doing it to crack down on it. Is that something that we're seeing?
7: We are seeing certainly like throughout the pandemic, we've seen a big jump in these types of scams, partly because everyone's really anxious and the scammers know everyone's anxious and the government is, you know, constantly behind on, you know, making up the right websites and getting everything moving. Obviously, I'm sure you guys are familiar with all the logistical problems with Mm -hmm. uh, the vaccine rollout and the entire pandemic, really. So the scammers just really lean in and take advantage of that and build all sorts of stuff that's meant to trick you and take advantage of you.
1: Yeah, again, you're hearing from Rebecca Howell, who is a tech reporter at Recode. So what should people look out for? I mean, you mentioned some of the websites, but like what are the things really that people need to be watching for?
7: So if anyone calls you or in a website asks you for credit card information or something like your social security number, you really should avoid that. Another thing you really should do is if you are on a website or, you know, get a call from a number, double check it's the right number and, you know, do a separate search to make sure that it's the actual website. Because something could say, you know, like New York Vaccine Registration org or dot com and seem like it's the right website when it's actually completely not the right website. And finally, don't buy a fake vaccine card. Someone's selling that to you just Don't do it. (laughs) Um, There's it's weird that people are doing that, but I I would avoid it. I don't think it's going to be fruitful for you in the long term.
3: Yeah. Is the CDC aware of this? Because it it seems like how are they not kind of cracking down or even putting out statements on this already? They told
7: me they're aware of the problem. The Department of Health and Human Services also said that they're aware of it being a problem. I think one of the challenges is that the U.S. has not set up like a really great digital vaccine tracking system. Maybe we, maybe we shouldn't. But in the meantime, we're getting these little flimsy cards. And if you're someone who's like, I don't want to get vaccinated, but I want all the you know privileges of getting vaccinated. Um, I'm just going to buy the card and see if it can make it easier for me to go back to my favorite restaurant or participate in activities. And it's a real problem. You don't want people faking their vaccination status. Yeah. Do you think they could get
1: uh, a ticket in the future? I mean, I know when you d- use a fake ID. I, I need to go to go jail. It,
3: anyway.
7: Yeah, like what happens? Something needs to happen, right? In the future. I have no idea what will happen. We're still pretty early on in this process. You know, the enforcement action that I've seen has come from the tech companies. So, you know, Google taking down ads on some of these sites or eBay just taking them down. But, you know, I saw one post on eBay that was selling these fake cards and they'd already sold 58 four packs. So people are buying them. So we'll have to see what happens, but definitely doesn't seem like it should be happening. What if someone realizes they were scammed? What should they do? You should go to the FTC's website, see if you can report it, and (laughs) go go from there. Obviously, uh, it depends on what type of scam you have, but, uh, you know, seek advice depending on the financial or personal information you've given.
3: I mean, I don't want to be, like, trying to show up for scammers, but is it really... Their fault if the vaccine rollout is already kind of crappy. And it's like if the vaccine rollout was on point, then we wouldn't have to worry about things like this. Yeah, I think to
7: some extent, you know, I would never want to, you know, but they've taken advantage of, you know, a logistical nightmare. A lot of this could have been streamlined a lot more easily. We could have had a lot more education, especially for seniors who are not, you know, maybe as internet active as a lot of other people are and to make sure that people are prepared and the lack of coordination throughout this entire pandemic has made us vulnerable to all sorts of scams. And I think we can put some responsibility on the government there.
1: Definitely. That was Rebecca Howell, tech reporter at Recode. Thanks again. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Now coming up on the show, the Biden administration has banned anti-LGBTQ plus discrimination in housing. What that means for all Americans next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. For the first time, this is a big day. LGBTQ Americans will be protected under the Fair Housing Act. The Department of Housing and Urban Development announced all of that today, said they are enforcing the FHA to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity and it's a new move that will extend civil rights protections to millions of lgbtq plus americans early as queen in a way mm-hmm. and joining us right now is uh, an attorney who actually worked on some of these cases omar gonzalez pagan from lambda legal thanks for being here again
2: thank you for having me it's exciting day today
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess tell us more a bit about the background of this and how long it took to get here and why this is such an important day.
2: Absolutely. And I think what's important to note is actually LGBTQ Americans, LGBTQ people in our country have been protected under the Fair Housing Act for since it got passed. And in fact, those were the arguments that we were making before in our cases. And we had won the, uh, the only two cases that had been won on behalf of LGBTQ people. We had brought... Under the Fair Housing Act, and that was decided by the courts in 2017, where we represented the Smith family, a lesbian couple, one of whom was um, transgender woman, who were denied housing, and were told in the email that they were being denied housing um, because of their uniqueness and how they would be perceived in the community, and that the landlord didn't want to attract attention to herself by renting out to their unique family and so them and their kids we represented and got that victory back in 2017 in colorado we represented marcia wetzel a senior lesbian who was receiving endless tenant on tenant harassment so other people who were living in her facility that she continued to report to the assisted living facility and they ignored and that was a huge victory and the court there on under the theory that sexual orientation also is covered, under the Fair Housing Act, uh, decided that. But since then, we hadn't seen HUD take this affirmative step to explicitly say sexual orientation and gender identity are covered, and we will actually enforce the law that way. They had taken smaller steps with regards to gender identity, but hadn't gotten there yet. And thanks to this decision from Bostock last year, um, this is what will be one of hopefully many ramifications from that decision, where all of these federal agencies across the country will now enforce any law that prohibits sex discrimination as covering um, LGBTQ people.
3: Yeah, it's really exciting news. I, I have to say, um, reading this, it, it gives me like, oh, we're, we're seeing kind of a, the light at the end of the tunnel here. But I, I know that now that these rules apply, that doesn't mean discrimination just goes away. So, how can one kind of prove that they're being discriminated now that people know that these rules are, so there's going to be other ways for them to figure out how to discriminate without necessarily being like, I don't like you because you're trans. I don't like you because you're queer. So what does that look like in terms of proving that if you feel like that's what's going on?
2: Absolutely. That's a, that goes to the heart of the question, right? Live equality is not the same as legal equality right. and, and, uh, housing discrimination in general, not just with regards to LGBTQ people is notoriously difficult to study and document. You will not just, you just won't get your inquiry about an apartment responded to. They may show it to you and then just go with another applicant and you won't know why. Mm -hmm. And so there are many studies that have been done with like blind testing and the like, including studies that were funded under the Obama administration by HUD that documented the, the disproportionate and, Um, discrimination that same-sex couples face, LGBTQ people in general face when trying to obtain housing. I think the announcement today by HUD is important for a number of reasons. First, it puts protections in place for people that live in states that don't explicitly prohibit um, discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or or gender identity. So that's incredibly important for anybody who lives in, say, Texas, for example. it all, Mississippi, Alabama, and it also allows the federal government in ordering all of the apparatus of HUD, including its Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity Office, to investigate and enforce and apply the law in this way to actually see if there are patterns or practices with particular property owners, particular um, real estate uh providers in in the country based on complaints that they receive. And people should know that they can go to this office, the Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity Office of HUD, to report any suspected discrimination, that they will investigate it and document it.
1: Well, Amar Gonzalez Pagan from uh, Lambda Legal, thank you so much for being here and for the work that you're doing. And we're Uh, one step or many steps forward in all of this so that people don't have to deal with this and live their lives like this. Absolutely. Housing is a human right. There you go. Uh, Thank you again for being here. Thank you. Now coming up next, should you celebrate or skip out on Valentine's Day? Well, we are going to debate that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Valentine's Day or not to Valentine's Day. That is the question. I feel like in life, you're either into Valentine's Day or you're just not. You're like, hell to the no. Don't yeah. throw your hearts at me right now and all your love.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's all of that. But I do think people, you hear conversation about, it's just a capitalism thing. It was created by Hallmark, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I think for me, um, I actually have always really enjoyed Valentine's Day. I think oh. I get the, pr- the pressures... Um, start when you have to pick out, like, thoughtful gifts because you don't want to be the same. Um, But then also... I used to remember, like, in school when they used to... You you would get those little chocolate roses that people would either give to you, like, anonymously and, like, whatever. I never got one. But I still always wanted one. And always, no. like, still kind of liked, like, like just the idea of one, the candy. And just... It was cute. And then my mom always, me and her, celebrated Valentine's Day, right? Like... Yeah. Um, But for me, Valentine's Day, I don't ever really have, like, bad things or thoughts about it. Like, I think... It's just one of those days where you just tell the people that you love, you love them, right?
1: Actually, surprising coming from you, Ryan, I was expecting the worst. I, I was just, expecting people when people a, like a hater.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just hate when people like throw it in your face. Like, I'm just like, girl, it's good. Do what you got to do. Enjoy your loved one. But like, I think this year we have to be extra sensitive to everything, right? Because it's not going to be a normal one.
1: Of course, yeah. You know, I, I'm the type of person. I love celebrations. I love special days because it just gives you more of a reason to do something. You know, I love special dinners. I like giving presents to each other. I don't need big presents, though. You know me. I'm not the person that's like, I need that Gucci, the uh, jewelry, well, the diamonds. Well, Shira,
3: your your boyfriend did give you a wooden heart, and you but, were, you almost were like, uh, "Is that it?" And it was no, wait, like, wait. <laughs> 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 no, to be clear
1: he he um fooled me at first he gave me uh, a a wooden heart that was very small and that was not it looked like it was just a raw piece of wood and i was like okay and in my head i would have accepted it and loved it you should it, no have matter. saw her face that when she got that tease. present he, that was the tease to the bigger sculpture yeah. the wooden sculpture he created which was so beautiful um and you know what my my current partner is really making me rethink these types of holidays or even gift giving Mm. because he even has prefaced to me, do not expect me to be that typical gift giver. Like I'm not going to buy you random stuff. Like I'm all about experiences. I will make you something, but I'm not going to go to a
3: store and be that person. Well, that's more thoughtful. I mean, one, he's a man who works with his hands and who doesn't love that. Um, But I, I think, you know, You're very lucky this year, right? Coming out of a relationship and then having him in your life. And I think because of the pandemic, this time is just going to I can't echo it enough. This time is just going to be uh, really difficult. People haven't seen their friends. People haven't seen their family members in so long. And also dating is completely weird. I mean, I'm Never mind. I'm not going to tell you my business, but you know, I, I think it's just, it's just a different type of thing right now. Like you don't even know if you're supposed to do something for a guy. You're just talking to like getting to know it's, hard. it's just, it's just different. It's just really, really different.
1: Yeah. There's a great area. And I think that, well, when I've been single in the past, I feel like I have my one go-to and I'm just like, Hey, want to celebrate Valentine's day together. <gasps> Remember last year I was casually dating someone and it was so awkward on Valentine's day. He's, went out of his way not to ask me what I was doing. <laughs> oh because yes, okay. They yeah, yeah, didn't yes. want to feel pressured to take me out or hang out with me. That was <laughs>
3: challenging. Yeah, you shouldn't I, do and, that. Yes. Don't do that, people. Don't Listening. Do that. Don't do that. Just be either up front. I think you should ask people like, well, oh, what are you doing? Because if you're just newly talking to someone, of course they're not. There's no expectations. I'm hoping not anyway. Or be
1: real and use it yeah. as an opening for a conversation about where you're at. That would have been much nicer and more mature than just avoiding it altogether. okay i agree right let us know what you think at lgt show on social media slide into our dms how are you celebrating valentine's day Uh, now coming up on the show a cop is pleading with lawmakers not to criminalize the doctor of his trans daughter more details on that next on what's trending this hour let's go there with shira and ryan the new channel q Coming up, if you're lonely on Valentine's Day, we've got tips to help you out, to boost those vibes. That's coming up at 620 Pacific, 920 Eastern with our favorite Dr. Alfie. Uh, But speaking of which, Ryan, I know we just talked about Valentine's Day. You you didn't actually share what you're doing.
3: Why? I don't need to share what I'm doing. Inquiring minds want to know. I just think you want to be nosy. um, But I mean, I'm doing what everyone else is doing. Uh, that is single and by themselves. Just hanging out, giving me something nice. Maybe a bottle of wine or something.
1: Oh, a bottle of wine's yourself. Hey there. Yeah,
3: by okay. myself. <laughs> are, are
1: you going to ask me what I'm doing? What no. Is like a one-sided friendship?
3: <laughs> it's most definitely that. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Ryan is proud of that and can just say that. He's like, no, I don't care. I'm I'm an honest friend. You know, at least you're not. How do you think that makes me feel that my friend doesn't care? (laughs) Okay. Okay. What are you doing, Shira? Go ahead and tell the people.
1: Um, Well, it seems like um, my partner is taking me on a hike and a picnic and I might Uh, go rock propelling, like mountain. I might propel off a rock.
3: I mean, girl, don't so die. So you might also be trying to kill me. Am I'm not I supposed sure. <laughs> to be having your funeral on Valentine's Day as well? No. Oh, my god. No, he, he's been telling me he wants to go propelling anyway. Who wants yeah. to do that? That's wild. But have fun.
1: Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. I'll be sharing it on IG's story. Okay. Now, uh, let's get into some what's trending this hour. A senior aide to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. This is a really big deal. This came out today. Uh, They are apologizing to state lawmakers for the governor's office withholding requested information and data showing the death toll in nursing homes from COVID-19. Okay, I'm sure they're going to respond to this next week because this just uh, came out today. This aide, Melissa DeRosa, told Democratic lawmakers in a call on Wednesday that Cuomo's office feared that the death toll information would be used against us by federal prosecutors. And this is according to the New York Post, who first reported the call. So basically, she says they froze. They froze, so they decided not to say anything. Andrew Gernardes, who's a Democratic state senator, said this is a betrayal of the public trust. He said this on Twitter. There needs to be full accountability for what happened. Oh,
3: this story is intense. I mean, Andrew oh, yeah. Cuomo, I'm telling you. There he tried to, he was that one that was always speaking out, which I'm happy he was at certain times. And I gotta say there was moments where I did agree with him. But towards this end and the things that are coming out about him. I don't know honey. He is he's really showing himself to be really weird.
1: Yeah, well this isn't definitely not a good look. Now, a police officer in Alabama stood up before a committee of lawmakers considering a proposal to criminalize doctors who provide gender affirming health care for transgender young people. And he was begging them, asking them not to pass the bill into law. This is kind of an early Yaz queen, by the way. Sergeant David Fuller of the Gadsden Police Department testified on the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, which would make it a felony punishable with 10 years in prison for a healthcare professional to provide gender affirming care for a minor. And why this is so personal is because Fuller's daughter came out to him as trans when she was 16. So he asked the legislators as a police officer, you're asking me to someday put handcuffs on these people that are heroes in my life. Please don't ask me to do that. Oh, I mean, that's like heartbreaking, gives me chills. The bill would also make it a felony if teachers and school administrators don't out possibly transgender students to their parents. I mean, horrible. Hopefully uh, this is looked at and does not pass. And finally, uh, on Twitter, it's official at Office of Melania. Mrs. Melania Trump is announcing the opening of the Office of Melania Trump. And they're telling everyone to follow the account for news and updates. This should be interesting. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's Happening in Entertainment
3: News, Ryan? Okay, so in the spirit of gift-giving, let's talk about this celebrity controversial hot take. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Cardi B revealed that she believes men should get less expensive Valentine's Day gifts. Here's what she had to say. She said, "Yes, men do deserve to get gifts as well for Valentine's Day, but the gift I have, uh, but the gift has to be less expensive than the girl's gift. So if he buys you flowers, you buy him grass." Now, okay, this wow. of course <laughs> sent the internet into a frenzy. Some people agreeing, others not. Um, where do you stand on this? year since you had the boyfriend are you getting him a good gift i need to figure that out actually but um, uh you know and we're
1: more about experiences ryan as i've said i think this is a bit much to have this standard just for a certain gender right like oh if you're a man you need like it's just so old school and traditional i think two people in a relationship should do nice things for each other and it shouldn't be a point system
3: well, it should be all the year, like, right? It should exactly. be Exactly, not just Valentine's time. Day. Exactly. exactly. But I want to know what y'all think, because, honey, when I tell you the internet is going crazy at her for saying this, uh, let us know at LGT Show, and of course, find more stories like these at com. Now, coming up
1: on the show, Valentine's Day, has it got you down while well, you're not alone and feeling lonely? How to give yourself a boost? That's next. Let's go there with Shira
0: and Ryan, the new Channel Q.
1: Valentine's Day can be a hard day for many. So what do you do if you need a boost? We're, well, Dr. Alfie is back with us, founder of the Acoma Project, host of the Couch in Color podcast. Thanks again. And wearing red. Perfect
4: for the theme. I am. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to be here with my beautiful Ryan and my beautiful Shira. Oh, thank and
1: you. we appreciate it. And I think this isn't just for folks who are single. Even if you're yeah. with someone, it can be a hard day.
4: Yeah, it can be. I think, you know, in part it's because of all the pressure that, you know, and it's all external, like sort of commercially generated pressure. Because really, what is Valentine's Day? Let's be honest. And so, when we think about the origins of it, and so I think some of it is really people feeling like I remember being a, a kid and who was giving out candy hearts and stuff. And if you didn't get hearts or you didn't get the lollipop, like you felt bad. So, yeah, oh
3: my God, I, literally, I literally <laughs> talked about this earlier where I was that kid that never got anything, but I didn't get like, any either. I would have friends that would either get like anonymous ones or like and I've always wanted one and I think that also like you know that's a whole other therapy sections but we're not mm-hmm. going to get into it but I've, I still have this thing about like <laughs> I love being in love I think that is just yes. really sweet um yes. but I, I do think Valentine's Day, regardless of if you believe it's a construct or not, it's yes. going to be a weird one this year yes. because of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. And so, like, if people are sitting at home on their couch wishing they had a boo, how do th- how does that not go into a deeper depression, right? Because that could-, could trigger anything.
4: That's true. And I think part of it is always that's why I always say pr- uh, preparation and prevention are better than intervention. So if you're always working on it, and of course, nobody's going to do it every day. But if you're always mindful of taking care of yourself, taking care of your mind, you all have said that Then when these things come up, you're in a better place to be able to take care of yourself. It's like your armor. So if you mm-hmm. find yourself in that position where you're like, oh, like, I don't I don't feel good about this day and you know, I'm uncomfortable and I'm sad. I think how you prevent it is you acknowledge it and de- with it in the moment mm-hmm. go for a run go for a walk meditate journal like there's so many things that you can do in the moment to help bring that mood back up a little bit so that you don't sink and keep sinking lower and lower it's active coping is really what it is
1: mm-hmm. and yeah and I, I think it'd be hard for those grieving a uh, past love right? This is their first year alone, maybe. Also during the pandemic, it makes it even harder. Oh
3: my God. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. I've been saying pandemic, but I, you know, you, you, I try, have really tried hard not to think about all the people that have died because it just makes me really, really sad. It's it's an emotional yeah. thing. And so yeah. I, I didn't even think about the people who has lost loved ones experiencing that day.
4: Wow. Yeah. And I think it was key about that is I, you know, I got lost an uncle in early December and it's my, my dad has Th- two brothers, two biological brothers, and both of them, he was the second one to pass and so now it's just my dad. And so biologically mm. his adopted siblings. But mm. so I understand that. And I think part of it is allowing y- yourself to feel your feelings. Don't avoid the feelings, right? So if you feel like you need to cry and you're grieving, I think we have this thing where we ask people to get over grief too quickly. Right. And I have a girlfriend, Dr. Helen Sue. She's wonderful, who talks about healthy ways to grieve. And I think we have to also keep that in mind for Valentine's Day. There's a healthy way to grieve and it's your way, but you got to go through the process.
1: Yeah. Dr. Alfie, again, is with us right now to help us uh, bring us tips to feel less lonely on valentine's day
3: if you are already feeling lonely i and there's no active coping because i think that's a really good suggestion but if i'm mm. in the thick of it if i'm in the middle <laughs> of that storm i'm not mm. looking for no active culture i'm, I'm <laughs> running away from the light at the end of the tunnel because that's the scariest right. place right right and so right, how do right. you even maneuver if you're in that space
4: Well, you have to reach out for support. Sometimes you can't do that stuff by yourself, right? And I know some of us have a tendency to want to get in the bed and pull the covers up over our head. And sometimes that might be the only thing you can do to cope and get through the day. I think there are other ways in which you kind of have to force yourself to get up right? Get up, get out and get something outcast and goody mob, but you've got to <laughs> try to do something. And sometimes that may be pick up the phone and text your friend crisis text line. Like there are all these services out there where you could just reach out and be connected to somebody in that moment. We call that being in a hot moment where you just like, don't know what to do. Um, but you got to try to do something. I don't think it helps to just sit and wallow. Um, even if you feel like that's what you want to do, you just can't do it because it's not yeah. helpful.
1: I mean, there's Galentine's Day, all these things, which isn't inclusive necessarily of everyone. But I think there's something to be said about that. Finding love in different ways in your life, whether it be not just with an intimate partner, but with
4: yourself, with your friends, with your colleagues. I don't know, with nature. I love that with nature, right? So if you have the means, if you have the means, you can afford to send yourself some flowers. Oh, I just took mine out of my office and nobody can see them anyway. But I have, a, I've had a, sub, a floral subscription for the last three years. Once wow. a month, the 15th of the month, I send myself flowers and it's oh ongoing.
1: I yes. love that.
4: Yes, because what I mean, you deserve flowers. Uh, Right now, it's Farm Girl Flowers, which is obviously national. They are, woo, they have gorgeous flowers. Before oh, that, it was wow. a company in the D.C. area called Little Acre Flowers. They're fantastic, but they're they're local. So Did it shock you, you stuff,
3: sometimes? Like, when you got the, these flowers, you're like, wait, I forgot all about I had this for myself. No, it
4: would be, uh, today is the 18th where my flower was at. That's how, <laughs> you know, that's how I was. <laughs> and if they didn't come to the 19th, I was on the phone with them people, uh, where my flower was at. So, you know, but if you don't yes. have the money. Go yes. outside and pick some. Pick them. You know, them little sunflowers, weeds. That's, that's little kids Go pick you a handful of sunflowers and stick them in some water and look at them. Like, do something. Be careful yeah. in the
3: forest, though, because you might pick some poison ivy. I'm just <laughs> thinking about my, my southern folks. You know, we're going to random forest, honey.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, again, that was Dr. Alfie. Uh, check her out on Instagram and also her podcast, Couched in Color. Thanks again and happy
4: Valentine's Day weekend. My pleasure. Same to you all.
1: Let's go there with Shira
4: and Ryan, the new Channel Q.
1: Wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Before we get into what First Lady Jill Biden did for Valentine's Day, uh, let's first highlight this story. A young entrepreneur from Virginia has created her own toy company that encourages children to learn about Black history after she wasn't able to find toys that really inspire Uh, youth with the right message. Tiffany Lang from Ashburn, Virginia launched this company, Bevy and Dave in 2016, to help parents and educators teach black history that extends beyond slavery and the civil rights movement. The toy company explores black history through the lens of leadership rather than oppression. Uh, She told this to Good Morning America, when you understand the experiences of African-Americans and black people around the world, if you're going to study the oppression, you also have to talk about how they were able to succeed beyond that which I just think this is so amazing. Also, she plans to offer a free remote program to teach Black history to those children as well. Uh, so there's toys, there's games, and much more that she's working on. Oh, so, I love this. Yes, yes. A yes, going to Tiffany Lang. Again, if you want to check this out, the company is called Bevy
3: and Dave. And I also think it's very important. You know, I think oftentimes when you hear about, like, Black toys or Black dolls, you know, I think non people of color think they can't buy those dolls for their kids. Like a white person doesn't think they're going to buy a black doll for their daughter or their son or whatever or whatever their kids identify, right? But I think that shouldn't even matter. We sh- if you oh, yeah. if the kid likes the toy, get out the kid. And I think parents should be actively thinking about like this is a cute toy. Yes, the doll is black, but that doesn't mean that your daughter or your person could not, um, you know. I relate to it in any type of way. So I think we should think about that as well. I yeah, get all types it. of dolls for you. Yeah, kid. all what? types of toys.
1: Yeah, that's how it starts, with the dolls, that's for sure. Uh, now, First Lady Jill Biden left a surprise Valentine's Day message to the country on the White House's North Lawn overnight, sending messages of healing, unity, hope, and compassion. Uh, this is her Valentine to the country, her office said This morning. And it was so sweet. There are these hearts that were cut out on the lawn with all those messages. And actually, supposedly, um, she told reporters that this is her favorite day. She's very into Valentine's Day. She also said that people are feeling a little down right now. And she wanted to bring a little joy and a little hope. So check out those pictures on our social media on Instastory at Show.
2: And that does it
1: for our show today. Woo! We're
3: done!
1: Yes. Uh, And our Yaz Queen, of course. If you miss any of our show, don't you worry. We post everything as a podcast. Just go to the radio.com app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are back next week. As usual, weekdays live right here on Channel Q, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, bringing you all the updates around the LGBTQ plus community news and so much more, including we're having one of my favorite writers on. I, I know it's one of yours. And she's going to be talking about why she bought her husband a bulletproof vest for Valentine's Day.
3: Okay, yeah, this is a weird one that I've been wanting to ask her about, actually, for yeah. sure.
1: Plus, COVID-19 has made Americans lonelier than ever. So AI is now here to help. We'll tell you more about that on Monday. And that is about it. We're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Bye, y'all.